This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hi guys, this is Ruben Langdon. You're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Show you can! It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words, but no faith is empty. I stayed the course, so my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. And let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime comics, movies and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah, awake and happy as hell. As a wrestling fan, last night was the premiere with the inaugural AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view. And if you're a wrestling fan out there, my God, you have got to be happy right now that there's an alternative out there. We needed a new alternative to wrestling like we need a new president right now. And it looks like we got it. They did not disappoint. I absolutely enjoyed it. And shout out to everybody involved in that whole entire thing. And this is just for wrestling fans out there. But this there's some changes coming. There's hope coming. And I, I want to see more hope, not only just for wrestling, but for just this entire country. So hopefully... This is a segue over to more things to come in 2020 because we desperately need it. But I digress. We are here to talk all things anime, comics, movies, and games, and we will do just that. Today, we're going to review Doom Patrol, the whole full season of Doom Patrol. I haven't gotten a chance to ever talk about this, but I finally got a chance to binge and watch the entire thing on the DC Universe uh, network and... I am eager to talk about this show. This is this very ambitious and risk-taking show. Uh, crazy as hell. So we're going to talk about that as well. And I did get to see John Wick 3, so we're going to talk about that as well. I can't. I will be remiss not to talk about that movie and what I thought about that. So we'll be doing a, like a doubleheader in our talk uh, topic of the week. But I got to say, I am not only happy about last night's pay-per-view, but I'm also happy... Ladies and gentlemen, I am very happy right now. I'm not even going to say this in select start. I'm going to say this right now. And those who have played the game understand my feelings right now, but I have officially reached Fire God status. And if you understand what that is, that is Mortal Kombat 11, the gauntlet. I have finally beat that... 
stupid ass gauntlet uh, move that I've been grinding on for God knows how long since I got it. Uh, I guess it took me about a month because, you know, Mortal Kombat came out this month and it now is almost like the end of the month. So it really has been that long, but it felt like it was forever grinding on this damn thing. I really, really, really hated and loved it at the same time. I also hate and love Ed Boon at the same time. But I did it, which means I officially got the uh, Liu Kang Fire God skin. The only thing I'm really, really kind of mad at about it is that you don't get the same power moveset that he has on the story mode. At least not yet. I have a feeling they're going to release that. And if I was them, if I was NetherRealm Studios, I would absolutely release that and give it to those who made it and beat the, the gauntlet stage they should get that for free because that was one of the most challenging of all modes i've played in years i mean like especially for a fighting game i don't think i've played a fighting game that challenging since uh street fighter one when i beat sagat there's nothing has been ever been this challenging and and trust me the final stage is ridiculously hard they it's the only stage in the game in the entire game that is set on very hard and for a reason they really try to grind you hard man it's it's stressful it, it i remember playing metroids in the 80s like wait a long time ago i've god i wish i still had my vhs tapes because i actually i believe i actually recorded the actual uh of me actually beating metroid and when i did that it was one of the hardest that at the time was one of the hardest uh challenges i've have ever had to do in video games and when i beat that game i all my energy just depleted i i was it just took so much out of me i legit fell to the ground <laughs> and it was but i was extremely happy and proud that i stuck to it and you know got through it this is kind of the same thing this is one of my video game milestones right here so actually that's not a bad idea i might actually do a episode of select start talking about video game milestones but nonetheless i have reached it i am very happy about it and congratulations to everybody who reached that status because they had to go through all hell to do it and and just to let you know you can go through some of the stages with ai but there are stages that ai doesn't know what the hell is doing so you really have to grind to yourself and especially at the very last board you get you have to do it so there's a great pride of being able to reach that level and and succeed and supersede that those levels to get to that point and beat it so shout out to everybody out there who actually did now i'm just waiting to see what dlc they're gonna bring off from there but i i digress like i said we got a lot of news to go on so without further ado let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg So before I begin, let me give another shout out again to friend and music producer DJ Cutman and his wife now, his wife Maddie, on getting married this week. And uh, not only are, am I congratulating him, but thanking him because you'll be hearing a lot more of his music here from Game Chops. You can check out more of his music at music.gamechops.com. And he's awesome. If you're down with chip tunes and everything, uh, this is the, this is the guy behind all of that. You probably heard it in everywhere you know 
it does, you know, when it comes to nerdcore music and, and chiptunes music, he is one of the most premier producers out there for that. Recommended and endorsed by Xavier Woods of the WWE of the New Day. So you can't go wrong with that. So, you know, stick around as you listen to this show you'll be hearing some of the music from here you'll definitely be hearing it from select start because i'm going to utilize a lot of that music throughout the entire show and change a bit formats based upon those uh tunes too so stick around for that as well but i digress we got some news to talk about here so we got to start out with some very sad news this week as one of the most premier artists and colorists in marvel comics has passed away uh the death of comic book artist justin Ponser uh, is mourned among the comic book industry this week. Justin passed away on May 18th after his two-year battle of cancer, uh, according to um, a post on his professional Facebook page. Known as Jay Poe, he is responsible for the colorist in some of the most memorable and legendary comic book series, such as New Avengers, Spider-Man, Infinity, and The Death of Wolverine. I own Spider-Man. He is phenomenal. I've owned actually a lot of the books that I actually um, read. The recent books that I've read has a lot of his coloring. You can tell how beautiful he did it and how much it just comes out at you when he did it. Uh, so he he was awesome. He was absolutely awesome and way too young, by the way. I don't really know what age he was, but, you know, judging by the pictures that I've seen of him, he was, he was, uh, it was way too soon. It was unfortunately way too soon. He is also responsible for coloring the majority of the Marvel Ultimate series uh, of comics. So yeah, when I read like Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man and such, and especially the Miles Morales versions, you can see his artwork, his uh, coloring work there as well. He's just absolutely, he was phenomenal. He was really good, tremendous. I don't think colorists and anchors, they, which they used to be called, I think they used to be still called, but, uh, but anchors and colorists don't get enough credit. It's always the artist that usually gets the credit for drawing it, but it also helps to have a colorist that really knows your style and really knows how to really bring it out and pop because the artist does the black you know just the sketches in the black and whites like if you go to a jim lee panel at san diego comic-con he never colors his stuff it's just always a sketch it's always a beautiful sketch a tremendously beautiful sketch but it's always a sketch and it takes a lot of people to actually go in and color it and bring it out more and you know just bring it to life and these guys rarely ever get the the credit that they deserve to do so and he his his uh art style stood out as well you know it takes a team to make something beautiful <laughs> it, 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 that's for damn sure marvel's editor-in-chief cb uh Sabolsky stated on twitter as anyone who ever met justin poncer uh knew he he was never just a colleague or a colorist he or a creative person he was family he embraced life with the biggest of hearts, the wild, the widest of dreams, and the deepest of laughs. He made comics a better place. J. Poe's loss is felt forever. Legendary artist Jim Lee from DC also chimed in as he's worked with him as well as in the past. Also commented on Twitter by saying, R.I.P. Justin Ponser. He started as a colorist in at Wildstorm and not only produced stunning work, but managed to top every other member of the studio when it came to uh daris he uh he was a great easygoing guy with an amazing can-do spirit and produced spectacular work for many companies since he will be dearly missed and my thoughts and prayers to the family and friends of justin poncer 
it's cancer's a bitch. Cancer is just such a bitch and such an early age. It's really sad. Uh, but it's safe to say that his work will remain, will keep him alive forever. You know, he'll always be remembered for a lot of the work that he's done, and people will always keep reading his the books that he's worked on. You know, so his legacy is set. You know, rest in peace, my friend. Um, so let's talk about something else going on this week, and that was the premiere of the Terminator Dark Fate trailer. This is very interesting. It's one of the most interesting trailers in a while, most notably because the return of producer J- or director James Cameron is back in the helm of this whole thing. So we may get the Terminator we've been waiting for because there's been a whole bunch of Terminators, Terminator 3 and all those other ones prior to and people have tried their best to give you the essence of that since judgment day which was clearly absolutely still the best terminator movie of all the terminator movies out there but this one looks to be very interesting and i noticed something every other terminator movie outside of uh one and two did not have linda hamilton i think in there but let's go on because we you know this is showing a lot um I forgot, and I gotta really get his name too. So, um, the the actual trailer starts with two people and a female Terminator running uh, from a new type Terminator, played by I believe, and I forgot the actor's name. He played Ghost Rider on Agents of Shield, and he's going to be set to play Ghost Rider again. And in uh, uh, Hulu, I believe, who, who brought the rights to that coming soon. So he's now the new Terminator, uh, and vicious as hell. But this Terminator, he, this version of the Terminator also has some sort of a transmutation ability, which if you saw it, he he uh, was driving the truck, but his as his like skin or whatever was just mutating over to a whole other skin. But his skeletal body was it was really weird. I can't even I can't do it justice in description of this audio right here. You would have to watch the trailer yourself, but it was deep. It was really cool. Uh, the female Terminator is protected is protecting a girl from harm as they jump out of the exploding truck that the uh, new type Terminator was uh, destroyed uh, while they were driving. It appears that the Terminator has uh, them trapped for death when yet another truck stops only for the driver to come out and reveal herself as Sarah Connor. The original Sarah Connor from part one and part two in Judgment Day, played by none other than the return of Linda Hamilton. If you guys are old enough to know who Linda Ham- uh, Hamilton is, she is she was one of the baddest actors. Like, at there wasn't too many badass hardcore act, uh, actresses back then, and I think she was a trailblazer at the time. Because when Terminator Two came out, and she did part one and then she went on to do a uh do a version of uh, beauty and the beast which played on cbs at the time and it was a highly popular show and then terminator 2 judgment day came out and the biggest thing that came out of that movie was how well in shape she got for this deal she was one of the first ones to like look i'm doing a big budget movie i'm kicking it and she got in a mad shape back then and we saw her handling a handling the gun the way she did and, the, and you saw the trailer back then that trailer still is one of the best trailers ever as far as like hyping up somebody for a movie and a big part of that was to linda hamilton just like handling her business and you never at the time really saw women in that light before but she kind of set the st- you know the standards of like badass women in movies uh, a lot of credit has to go to her for that because she was just her portrayal of sarah connor the you know 
Oh, and Judgment Day was phenomenal. Like people took her very seriously. She was just no, no, uh, like just one of the baddest chicks in the game. It still is, and she's back. You know, a, lot, a little bit older, still hardcore, still stunning, still in mad shape. I mean, like she's no joke, and it's great to see her back on here as well. So, hopefully, I won't go through my notes here, but. Uh, the female Terminator and the kid talks with Connor in some sort of a motel. This is the next scene uh, where they ask uh, Sarah who she is. Sarah introduces herself, but uh, then mentions that she never seen a Terminator like her before. She tells her that she seems like she's almost human. The female Terminator, and I'm saying the female Terminator because we don't know too much. They, they, these are teasers, so we don't know anything that's going on about what we see right now. Uh, this female Terminator says she is human, so that's actually a bit of an intrigue going on here. So maybe she's uh, also another new type of Terminator, or actually a human, maybe a android. I don't know. This could be anything. Maybe some type of cyborg, per se. We don't know. But uh, or she's just made out to think that she's actually human. The female Terminator asks to uh, why Sarah cares so much about the little girl, to which Sarah tells her she was once her. So next scene shows uh, three traveling, the three traveling in the woods to meet up with what appears to be the original Terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, but much older. So this is interesting too, because if I'm correct, didn't he die in the, in, in Judgment Day? I gotta watch that again. And by the way, last time I watched that, it still held up. I guarantee if I watch that movie again, it's going to hold up still. But could have sworn he died in there in that movie uh, when that came out, too. So I don't know what's going on or this is the original guy. This is the guy that they based the Terminator off of. I don't know. We'll see. Um, then hell breaks all loose when uh, when we see a couple of planes collide. So that's that was a thing. Uh, followed by the female Terminator cleaning house fighting the new type terminator she yeah she i don't know who this actress is but she looks like she's built for the part so this film is produced by james cameron returning to the helm and interestingly noted directed by tim miller yes tim miller of the deadpool movies i am excited about this i am very excited about this you know james cameron is back so he's gonna give us what we were looking for and apparently for what i understand and what i've read this is gonna be based after i don't know if that means they're erasing everything else that came after that but this is based after judgment day so i don't know if they're not considering the other movies canon or whatnot or i don't know but you know we'll have to see from there but i really dug it i'm excited about it i'm looking forward to uh checking it out when it hits theaters uh very soon so we'll see from there um let's go into some really other news talking about movies and big budget movies and action sci-fi movies and anime translated movies we already had Battle Angel Alita, which actually was very good. Probably one of the best anime translated movies ever at this point. But now we got another one coming. One has also been in the making for quite some time. Battle Angel Alita has been... James Cameron has been trying to come out with that movie for like almost 20 years almost. This was another one. Crunchyroll announced that, director, that uh, they have a director for the live action movie of Katsuhiro Otamu legendary manga and anime film akira now if you've known if you've been a uh, otaku for as long as i have which is dating back to probably late 80s they've been talking about doing this movie as well for quite some time i think it was like in the 90s near the 2000s they say they were trying to you know make light of this movie but 
again, like Battle Angel Alita, to do an anime movie and bring it to life, you cannot do it at the time of the 80s or the 90s because they just didn't have the mindset and the technology to bring that to life the way it should be. And if you watch Battle Angel Alita and if you watch the anime and OVA from back then, you know that they finally were able to do it and they did it great. So, I mean, the same could be because if you watch the, the Akira movie, so much has gone on in that movie. Uh, sci-fi wise like special effects even special effects for what they did in that movie is just so ahead of its time that to bring it to life to have the CG power and the money to be able to budget to bring it to life you would have to wait till right now and now is the time to do it but it, they need a good director and I think they found a great director because they have chosen and they've picked none other than Thor Ragnarok director Takai uh, or Taika Watiti to be in to be a part of this movie and if you love what he did in Thor Ragnarok Taika is going to probably blow you away with this I'm very excited I'm absolutely interested in seeing what they're doing with this uh and furthermore to to seal the deal to make it absolutely absolutely uh sure uh, I guess I wish the word I'm trying to come at absolutely stamp the fact that they're coming out with this movie is that they have a release date they already said it this thing is going to be in motion and they're looking to come out with this on may 21st 2021 i'm excited about this as well uh i've been dying for them to do this i actually am interested because this is neo tokyo if i'm correct so i am wondering if they're going to stick to that that place setting and have an Asian cast, and I think that would be a great idea to have an Asian cast for this. I would love for it. I, I think it's well deserved for them to have an all Asian cast for this. It, it it makes sense. It's Neo Tokyo. I don't want them to, you know, gentrify or, or Americanize the uh, the actual movie. So I'm looking forward to this. I hope they do it justice and do it right because it's one thing you could do that to uh, Battle Angel Alita, but this I think come on you got to give us the you got to give us the you know the essence the real essence of this movie and it was set in neo tokyo we need i should think it'll be appropriate to have japanese actors get somebody you know get some actors from japan that are really popular that can that are able to speak english here and really you know give a crossover effect you know we need to see new stars i think we need to we need to get we need to not only have new stars but new diverse stars in this country and why not bring uh, some of the talent from that country over there so uh, i'm looking forward to this i'm hoping that they do it justice from that point so i want to talk about something that made me really happy this week and i don't talk about i don't get the chance to talk about uh the comic book tv shows as much because if i do i used to have uh, a show based on at the epic uh weekly rundown which we used to talk about all these shows because it's so many of them you can't talk about them all in just one episode it'd be the show this show will be like four hours long at best so but i every once in a while when i see something significant i definitely want to talk about it this week cloak and dagger i have been watching the series uh this is a very slow burn series i love the cloak and dagger series uh i used to read the comic uh when i was younger and I, the original 616 version, they actually, I believe they died 
and Marvel managed to just bring them back somehow, some way, somehow from the Ultimate Universe. And then from the, if I correct, the Ultimate Universe, when they merged, they brought along Cloak and Dagger with them, bringing them back into the 616 uh, helm. So that's how they got away with that, if I'm correct. But, and they were, these are a different version of Cloak and Dagger as well. So, but the Cloak and Dagger series, which is kind of um, based upon the Ultimate series, if I'm correct, um, loosely based at least, this we were wondering like this in the runaways uh along with ages of shield of course we already knew that was connected to everything going on in the marvel cinematic universe but we everybody was questioning because there was all these rumors stating that you know these weren't going to be connected to the marvel cinematic universe in any type of form these are just going to be separates and i was like this is the dumbest thing ever to hear this has got to be a rumor thank god i was my instinct was right because this week on an episode of Cloak and Dagger, they have revealed the connection to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and believe it or not, is connected to one of the most to the on one of our beloved defunct series. So, it was revealed in a scene where Tyrone, who plays Cloak, who is Cloak, met up with a kid from the streets uh, who was involved in gang-related activities. But this uh, kid also was responsible for saving. Tyrone's mom at some point they met up in a local diner so they're you know they become cool ever since and now Tyrone's kind of looking after him which I'm gonna predict now this kid's not gonna last I, I see it. it just seems too cliche at this point but the kid actually had a newspaper and asked Tyrone to read the headlines for him and and kind of revealed that um, to Tyrone that he couldn't read or Tyrone um, realized that he couldn't read so he asked him could uh, you don't read and he said he, he doesn't need to you know he's he's he survives in the street really sad of course but you know tyrone assists him and reads the paper and the headline for this paper said luke cage and harlem rumble written by karen page okay not only that one line just revealed that they're connected not only connected to Luke Cage's world, which is the street-level Marvel Universe uh, of um, Netflix, but also Karen Page, which is connected to both The Punisher and Daredevil. So they just rounded up three different shows that this show is connected to. That is absolutely awesome, and it also gave, it also really, really gave us a little bit of shout out love for those who love that show also now it's making us wonder what are they doing with that series now they mention them are we going to see them or is, is there ever a chance that we're going to see luke cage or any of the characters in this you know type of situation any of the defenders at all you know and by the way i believe if i'm correct Jessica Jones is coming out very soon, so uh, stay tuned for that because I will be reviewing that as well. So, um, and hopefully some of the um, defenders will be on air. They, it's the last, the final show of all of it. They need to go out with a bang and bring all the defenders back or someone. I don't. Even, nobody even knows who her new, uh, her the new villain is for this series either. But I digress. Tyrone then tells the kid, "If you want to be like Luke Cage, you got to develop those skills, those reading skills." He was rec- uh, referring to. Uh, on a side note, last season, if you guys remember, if you guys been watching, Hulu's other original Marvel series, The Runaways, had Alex Wilder, one of my favorite characters in there, uh, mention Wakanda, connecting the show to the movies universe as well. So they are all connected. It is all still connected. They're still leaving those little subtle, beautiful, mist, um, you know, hints that we love so much. And 
it's awesome. I hopefully, I honestly, what I want to see as far as crossovers, I would love to see the Runaways meet up with Cloak and Dagger because I think that'll be an absolutely great thing. I think they should do what the CW doing where Blonte uh, Productions is done and do their own crossover. I think they will do a great job. As far as the Cloak and Dagger series, I, I again, I said I actually enjoy the series. However, I think my only negative, if I could give my only negative to the first two seasons is that they don't have a really good protect uh antagonist uh in there cloak and dagger are great but they they right now their villains aren't really you know spectacular they don't really stand out like if you look at what the runaways have been um doing with you know the villains that they have on their show phenomenal the guy who plays uh who's dr doom on the uh on the first two uh fantastic four series he's the villain on air he's great he's absolutely great on air and they got the whole you know all of the family is great um their parents are all evil i love that then you have um agents of shield which they are messing with the crees they messing with all these aliens and stuff like that they had graviton last year uh they had ghost rider you know fighting off demons from there from from that point you had Luke Cage, the first season, you had Cottonmouth. The second season, you had this other cat. I forgot the name of it, uh, but he was on air too. I mean, should, you you got to have, in order to be a better protagonist, you have to have a even greater antagonist or villain, if you will. And I don't feel like they have a real good villain. This The character Andre uh, or Andrew, is it is Andrew or Andre? It's Andre, I think. Um, Andre's been okay. He has a certain particular power that's draining women. And this is also a themed season that's talking about um, human trafficking, which is a very important thing to talk about, and I'm glad that they're doing it. But I think they really dropped the ball making this guy a bigger deal than they could have. He's not really somebody that I... I I mean, because also there's some points of sympathy that they're trying to give him to when... Uh, and understanding his background, but he hasn't been like a menacing villain enough to really hate you or really somebody that's making that really uh, is becoming a challenge to those two. So next week is going to be the season finale. We'll see how that goes. And hopefully by season three, they'll have a bigger, badder villain. And that's in, but also that's the thing too. Cloak and Dagger really never had a actual real big antagonist. And I think that's why that series uh, defunct the first time around. I think if they actually do have... I, I don't even care. I would have them get a villain from the Marvel Universe. Somebody that they're not using in the movies. That they have license to. And now they got license to so many. And be able to spend, put a spin on it for them to use in the series. And maybe start a new uh, rival between between uh, three or four. You know, I mean, they could use anybody at this point. Now they have all the characters at the helm now, so hopefully it'd be better. But I do love the show. I, I enjoy the show. I just think that what's keeping it from really being a great show is the the, the lack of a really good villain in there so far. So we will see. Last bit of news and congratulations to everybody who fought and complained some may say bitch (laughs) about the recent upcoming sonic the hedgehog movie you won what was believed to say that they were coming out still in 2019 because they can the director plainly said he can fix 
they still have enough time to fix everything. They're not. As of right now, the film is being delayed to 2020. The reason being is because it's due to the overwhelming outcry of fans over the character's design. I gotta admit, I'm one of those people. Not to the way of I'm gonna put, sign a petition, but I was like, yeah, I'm not, that doesn't feel like Sonic to me. He looks like, it looks like Sonic merged, like fused with, uh, did a fusion with Howard the Duck. That's what he kind of looks like to me. Uh, Cause the whole face thing, I didn't realize people were talking about the teeth. The teeth is kind of creepy, but to me it was like, I don't like the eyes. I don't like the way the eyes are placed. I, he doesn't look like the Sonic I love. The design of Sonic, like this is, we're at a stage in our life as far as Hollywood that we they have the ability to make everything we want come to life the way that we see it in the things that we love if we see the smurfs we can see the smurfs at live action smurf the way we want to see it we just watched detective pikachu that just came out and they did that movie and i think that also plays into the factor why they said we're not coming out with this because of the success of uh, detective pikachu and the praise that everybody's been giving to that movie because that movie is really, really good. And not only is it really, really good, if you guys remember when I reviewed it, I praised it just for the fact that they gave us so much fanfare. They gave us what he wanted. The Pokemon looks exactly like the Pokemon that we see in the cards in the video game, but is a brought to life and just subtly you know, gave it some real-world features to it. Subtly. not They didn't go overboard like they did with the Sonic design. So... I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with this, and they're probably going to. I, they're probably going to have to go back to formula, as William Defoe would say in, in the original Spider-Man movie. Uh, you know, it, it's it's. I I didn't I didn't particularly like it. I thought he was too hairy. He looked like a a Muppet. You know, like uh, Grover. If, if you guys know who Grover is on the Muppets, he's like a, a blue stringy haired. Muppet. Nobody really knows what the hell he is. But Sonic kind of had that stringy hair type of look too. But also, he just, it's just something about, he just felt off. Just a tad bit off. So, we will see. It won't come out until 2020. Congratulations to you all. It actually happened. And I'm hoping, I do hope for success for this, but you did make a good first impression. And now even the fact that you said that it was going to come out, the, the director said he was going to come out still this year because they have enough time to make the changes. But now they bowing down to make to make sure. But I, you know, kudos to them. Kudos to them for, you know, listening to the fans and keeping it going. I, I, I can't get be negative on them about that because they could have just said, "Screw it, we're going to not listen to you. This is our version. We're going to do it." No, they want to make the fans happy. They want to be able to keep doing this franchise. So they're going to work hard to make it happen. So hopefully, I wish them the best for doing it. Congrats to the fans for getting their voices heard and we'll see how it looks hopefully they'll get it right this time hopefully they'll get the eyes right the eyes was my biggest thing i didn't like the eyes i like the eyes of the original they could just just make the eyes just the same i don't care about the mouth in particular but it is what it is from there so we will see folks that will do it for this edition of what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and talk about our double feature review of doom patrol the first season and john wick 3 we'll do that right after this ladies and gentlemen this is dax xavier josiah the host of acmg presents talk time live the podcast you want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime comics movies and games such as this is miley planning the voice 
voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on TalkTimeLive.com. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now it's time for our top topic of the week. Ready? Wait. Fills from the album The Triforce of Bass by DJ Cutman from Game Chops Music. And if you want to hear more from Game Chops, go to music.gamechops.com for this and much more. I highly recommend Mario and Chill and Zelda and Chill if you want to just sit back, relax, and enjoy game music at its best. So, uh, you'll be hearing much more of him in this show and in talk time. Well, not it's just talk time live and select start, especially uh, coming soon in the near future, as I said. So let's talk about our talk topic today. And that is our review of John Wick and the first season of Doom Patrol. I'm going to go ahead with John Wick first because this is already like a week removed from it. And it's already got a high praise. There's a lot of reasons for that. This is the like the definition of action movies this is the definitive of action movies this is the fundamentals of action movies brought back into the modern era with a little bit more impact to it and keanu reeves i mean to all the jokes that have actually have been done with this dude throughout the years of him being like a surfer dude or whatever like that or you know eco-friendly type of dude or whatever he brings it he absolutely brings it hard and when he wants to get the job done he gets the job done not just as a super assassin but also as a actor people have been wondering if he was able to come back from his absolute meteoric success of playing neo on the matrix and years later he comes back and he's john wick and changed the game he he's not just a one iconic hero type of actor you know this guy has multiple chops now it was funny because i think um some of us in the acmg facebook group were saying i'm so used to him being neo i would had a hard time wanting to see him as another character i'm like yeah but you could say the same thing about harrison ford and hugh jackman you know and in, in, in michael keaton to some extent like those guys are iconic character you know played iconic characters that like people felt that's their dude uh I, chris evans to some extent you could say it too because before he was captain america he was the human torch and people loved him as the human torch i mean if you go back and watch the fantastic four movies those are two different people like chris evans don't get enough credit for his uh, acting chops as well but 
now he's he made another iconic like this is to me his like his indiana jones you know to to his neo to neo's uh you know han solo if you will that's what kind of reminds me of this is like his indiana jones run of a character that he's playing but this movie was absolutely fantastic all three movies were great i could dare say if you haven't seen the second one i definitely say you need to see the first one but if you haven't seen the second one you absolutely should go out of your way to see uh you don't really have to see the second one and they made this movie where you could watch it and not have to be uh be totally out of the loop of being caught up because of the events of um the second movie but with that said i highly recommend you see all three because it's a it's beautiful it's a beautiful ballet of ballet of violence and just a great storyline i love the way this whole guild of assassins and how they coexist in a world and how they have these markers whenever they need somebody to do something they have special markers that they give to them letting them know what is needed I love that part of this movie. It's so awesome. But let's talk about the storyline of part three. The super assassin John Wick, according to I, I, IMDb, the super assassin John Wick is on the run after killing a member of the International Assassin's Guild based on part two. And with a $14 million price tag on his head, he is the target of hitmen and women everywhere, and including this major organization which i forgot the name of the organization but we'll talk about that indefinite so let's just talk about the cast real quick uh again we talked about keanu reeves already i mean he made this dude iconic he made action movies great again i hate to use that cliche but it it you know it is what it is um he's phenomenal he's absolutely fantastic in this movie he we don't see keanu reeves we see john wick like we didn't see uh keanu reeves in uh, the matrix we see neo he this is his this is his character he's people need to really give him a lot of credit for that a lot of credit for that holly berry in this movie was really great too for the time that she was in this movie uh she played sophia which again was a former assassin now she's running things she's higher up in the uh any in in, in the assassin stratification if you will (laughs) or the social stratification of assassins and she's now running things a little bit bigger but it kind of put her put the guns away and and it missed but because of a marker which is a contract that she uh, that john wick had she is obligated to help him get to the main uh, the top of the uh, uh, assassin of um the guild of assassins to try to clear his name and by doing so she follows him and she brings along two really beautiful loving but dangerous if ever ready dogs with her along the way it was really really absolutely cool uh one of my favorite moments in fact is when they go on the uh hunt to find the leader of the uh leader of the guild and the action scenes with the dogs are absolutely phenomenal things that these dogs do in the scene where they're trying to you know they're actually trying to get away from the uh from the group of assassins trying to get at how at sophia and john wick it's amazing those dogs i was fearing for these dogs who had bulletproof be- vest on them they were every bit as a star in this movie as the human actors as well like these dogs were no joke i absolutely loved them um 
Ian McShane. I don't know if I should talk about him enough. Well, it's been a week. I'm going to do it. Ian McShane is Winston, who was kind of like the cool character that John Wick always relied on in the, in the first two movies. Uh, he played it well. They were what they were going to do. Apparently, the uh, educator was actually going to make his place not deemable for assassins to come in if they were if he was helping John Wick. In fact, nobody could help John Wick because he was on a run and he was a wanted man. But Winston decided to do so anyway because the educator uh, was actually played by uh, Asia Kate Dillon. By the way, beautiful beautiful stunning woman um she decided that you know since he's gonna help john wick that he's or he helped john wick at the time of the assassin because the assassin the assassination happened that john wick did was in the building was in the hotel that he runs and that was a penalty upon punishment for everybody and she hired these group of assassins that I'll talk about shortly that has been like insane in this damn movie coming in to attack everybody who's ever helped John Wick and they were punished in certain type of ways it was really crazy um so he plays in here but also he makes a shocking and I mean shocking uh twist of events at the end of the movie meaning he turned on John Wick and I to me I still don't know when he did that at the end when he turned on John Wick at the end I don't know if he actually, I, I, I really, really, really find it hard to believe that he actually turned on John Wick because that's the part to me. It, was, it didn't feel cut through. I almost felt like he knew John Wick was going to survive that. So I don't know where this is going, but it, it, if I was, if, if he really wanted to kill off John Wick, I would have shot him in the head, to be honest. He did. He shot him in the body which the body was bulletproof. His suit was bulletproof. And he fell down a few flights of stairs. I don't know if that was... I, I'm still not convinced that he was maliciously uh, turning on John Wick. So I, I'm i looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next with that. Lawrence Fishburne. The return of Lawrence Fishburne. The Bowery King. It's great to see Keanu and Lawrence Fishburne back together because you got that hint hint moment for Matrix fans of you got Morpheus and Neo back together. Absolutely tremendous. So it's Lawrence Fishburne, man. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Bar none. Him, Charles S. Dutton, uh, a few other people. I mean, like, I, I just nothing. I love Lawrence Fishburne, man. He demands your attention. I love him on Blackish. I mean, he's very comical. I've, rarely do we get to see a light-hearted comedy version of Lawrence Fishburne, but we do on Blackish, but when he really pulls it on, when he wants to be that leader, he wants to be that serious, like, ever since Boys in the Hood, that's when I first really saw him. I didn't really, I didn't realize that he was in the school days from way back, but it was Boys in the Hood that really stopped me. He's the reason why I now collect the Chinese, uh, you know, stress uh, balls that you see often around. He was the first one I actually, I saw it on Boys in the Hood, but he was the Bowery King in here, and I loved him. I loved him. Very charismatic in this. And he, I thought he went out like a trooper <laughs> with it, with the way he did uh, in this movie. And come to find out, he's still alive as well. So <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Like, assassins don't die easily. I, they do not die easily in here. So I enjoyed his character as well. I'm looking forward to seeing what he's done in this. Mark Dekakis. This dude. Oh, man. 
Uh, you guys know him. He's been on a lot of uh, really cool movies as well. I think I saw him in a Brotherhood of the Wolf. That's where I remember him from as well. And some other movies as well. He's from Hawaii Five O. Uh, he's been on, I believe he was the chairman of Iron Chef. He's done a lot of things. He was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well a few uh, episodes, too, if I remember correctly. But he's everywhere. But he I, he really did a great job. I loved him on this. And he was Zero. Uh, he was a sous chef or a sushi chef. And just happened to be an assassin. And when the educator gave him the marker he was out he took out everybody him and his boys took out everybody to help john wick including uh barry king and he he was absolutely fantastic his biggest fandom was john wick he wanted to be like john wick he felt like he was the same as john wick except he all up until the point that he owns a cat (laughs) but he was great here as well uh i hated to see him go maybe he's gone maybe not who knows I think he actually died. I think he really died in here, but he was tremendous in here. Lance Reddick, another guy um, for who's been here since the beginning. I, again, I'm not convinced that these guys were actually turning on John Wick in here. I'm, I'm still not convinced of it. But one of my favorite parts, another favorite part of the movie that I'm going to talk about with him, involving him and John Wick, when they had Winston in a locked vault as he's drinking wine waiting for them to kill all the uh all of zero's assassins and everything that were trying to come in to kill both of them in a mist and they kept coming back to get more guns and everything it's a really funny cool part because you never really get ever see something like that whereas like normally in action movies they got enough guns to take out everybody not in this movie they ran out of guns they had different they needed different guns because they needed armor piercing guns and they went back almost like it felt like a pit stop moment for in in um in nascar or a timeout in in football seeing that mo- uh, part so and, and and all all along winston is just sitting there chilling drinking red wine just chilling so <laughs> that was really cool too uh angelica houston for the short time that she was in here she was awesome uh, i really felt bad for those uh, ballet dancers because she tortured the hell out of them even a disgusting scene where they had the nail being taken out uh, because of how many times she made them you know spin during ballet it was heartening but she played it well but she was another assassin that owed john wicks uh, that had a, that john wick had a marker for her and um the things that they did were just like really it was insanely remarkable in this movie uh, you know, overall, this movie, it, it really gave you everything. It was, I, take note, if this is not for the weak at heart. If you are not a fan of this type of movie, if you are a female listening to this movie and you're not a fan of this movie and your man wants to take him, this is the time when you want them to go on your own because you might not be able to handle watching this. This is some very violent stuff going on here. We got a lot more jaded people to, nowadays that can tolerate, that has a greater bigger tolerance for this stuff uh but some people are still a little bit icky i could never take my wife to go see this movie because i think she would be closing her eyes the entire time yeah she's old school but um this movie for action fans gave you every single thing that you ever asked great story great character development great everything i absolutely enjoyed it i give this an absolute a plus and i am so looking forward to john wick um you know chapter four because they are pissed they are pissed we last see john wick being carried away after being shot over shot off the roof uh after winston makes a deal with the educator and lo and behold 
he gets carried away. His body disappears. We think he's still, he technically is still alive, but um, who is the guy that's on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? He was on Brooklyn, I forgot his name, the actor's name on there, but he carried him away because the Bowery King always plays, uh, he plays kind of like a homeless guy. And that's his portrayal. But it's just them actually undercover being assassins in this, in, uh, in this case. And what is this? No, it's not him. I forgot the guy's name. But um, he played on Brooklyn Nine-Nine before, and he was hilarious in there. He was he played a detective that was um, dating Torres, I believe. And it, he was funny as hell, psychotic as, as hell as well. But he wind up being one of the guys to carry John Wick away. And lo and behold, we find out that the Bowery King is still alive, and now he wants to team up with John Wick to, to get revenge. All this after the fact of John Wick having to clear his name and getting his finger cut off as a form of sacrifice for, you know, getting his, you know, um, getting his finger cut, uh, cut off. Only to, and his, the idea was that he would needed to take out Winston doing so so that was his he had he had to give a sacrifice in order to do it. he gave away his finger all that he never even tried to kill winston only for winston to kill him or try to or attempt to kill him so it it plays a factor right there but it's it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen because now they're going to get the educator and and the organization that it that's uh rules all the assassins including the main assassin and this is going to be interesting. Now he's going to be coming after Winston, too. So we'll see what's going to happen in part four. But go out of your way to check this movie out. Go out of your way to see all of them. Because they all were great. They all were fantastic. And I am I am totally into John Wick at this point. He's, it, you know, we needed... I, 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 love, I love my comic book movies, but, you know, it's great to see that the action series did not die out at all. So I, I absolutely love it there. So go out of your way to check it out. Last but not least, I've been waiting to talk about this for quite some time. I don't get, I go in and out of the DC Universe app. You know, $7.99, I pay a month, watch everything I need to watch, unsubscribe, get back on at a time. So uh, I decided to go back in to watch the entire season of Doom Patrol. And I got to say, I watched a few episodes when it first came out. You know, I had a chance because it came out at the time when I was watching. Didn't I decided to wait until I, you know, it all came back and just jumped back on, paid the fee. You know, got back on air and binge. This is the most out of this world. I can't describe what type of this should not work. This was like we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, how that was so out of this world and outer out. Uh, I can't. I can't. I can't come up with a word for it. But it's like. The, the mindset to make this is just so, like, the imagination that it took to make this and to make this happen and to bring this to life is outstanding. Uh, James Gunn was able to do it. Greg Belanti, uh, you know, was able to do this as well. Creator Jeremy Carver did a great job. And uh, whew, this, for me, and for a lot of people who actually got a chance to see this series, did not disappoint. You had these crazy, crazy mix match group of characters in here with all superpowers and it, it, it literally is a, a band of misfits in here the land of um, the misfit toys if you will literally you had Diana Guerrera from uh, Orange is the New Black which by the way they actually premiered 
that the final season is coming. I'm looking forward to that. And she looks like she's going to be making a return in there as well. She's been on a roll lately. She's been on the new Justice League uh, uh, movie that came out. Uh, recently she was a star of that she's crazy jane on here who from who's from the underground and underground is a whole bunch of different personalities in her mind and i thought this was absolutely a phenomenal role for her because she got to play role literally play as a total amount of different characters the same way that james McAvey did in split where he was just playing multiple characters the cool part about her is that jane with every character, with every new personality that she has, each personality has a different power. And I think there's like 30 different, you know, uh, people inside of her. And each one of them have a different superpower of their own. It's really crazy. Um, so, and that's why they call her Crazy Jane. So, but I, with that, it allows her to be very creative with her acting ability. And just to do a role like that, like I said, the same thing about James McGavey. To, do, to play a role like that, you have to be very versatile. And you, it really challenges you to really stretch out. Every time she plays a different character, it's you don't feel like it's the same character. It seems like a totally different person, and that takes a hell of a lot of skill to do. It speaks volumes about what uh, Diane, uh, Diane can do for that character, and uh, she's great. I absolutely, she's one of my favorite characters in here. April Balby is Elastic Girl. I love this woman mostly because of two and a half men she was on air as candy not only was she dropped dead hot in that show but she was absolutely funny as hell because she played some more sort of a brain dead type of character but she was just you know just brain dead but gorgeous character well in doom patrol she gets to play an entirely different character and with a higher depth of character in here she i mean you, if you put her to the character of Candy on Two and a Half Men, total contrast, total contrast of, of personalities and, and, and character development here. But I feel like she got to play. I mean, she's played in other roles before, too, but I feel like me seeing her, she got to play a more pivotal role here. And she got to be a little bit more of an intelligent woman, a strong minded woman, you know, who's trying to, you know, be reprimanded and redeem herself of all of the evil malicious way she was way back and like decades ago when she was an actual actor in the 30s or whatever she now because of elastigirl she can you know remain her skin her skin can remain as youthful as possible but whenever she gets stressed out she becomes a total blob so she's still trying to you know fight herself and her emotions throughout this whole entire thing and again this brings a lot more depth to her character this brings a lot more level you know, a step up in level of acting for uh, April, and I I really respect her her abilities in this movie and this uh, series. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, they all all the characters had some form of you know redemption that they had to go through in their own in their own lives together, not only to for, to help themselves but to help each other throughout this thing and to allow them to be able to save the professor. Uh, who actually had a, had the ability to take away um, Mr. Nobody, actually, who had to take away uh, Timothy Dalton's character, who was actually uh, chief in here. The guy, the Professor Xavier, if you will, of the group in here. The, and also the one that is responsible for all of their powers, apparently. So, he, great there. Alan uh, Turdick 
Tudyk, actually. Um, this guy, I've seen him in so many different things. His vo- he has a phenomenal voice. He has a he is such a great voice um, in this show. Not only just as Mister Nobody, but he is the narrator of the series, and he's he gets the opportunity to not only be as charismatic as he could be, but also he has the ability to break the fourth wall. He not only breaks the fourth wall throughout the series and talks about, he he acknowledges that we're watching the DC Universe app, that we're watching the, you know, this show from the app, from DC Universe, that there are people who are trolling out there on Twitter. He actually reads some of the actual, I believe, I, I really have reason to believe that these are actual tweets that he's reading off on the show from that people have given on the show it's phenomenal uh he he outdoes himself in this one i i loved him it's one of the one of my favorite characters on transformers one of the transformers movies that he's done he's awesome in there um everybody knows him from firefly and you know all the other shows that he's been on um he's just been absolutely fantastic uh he this dude can do no wrong he absolutely does no wrong he played i thought he played a really good um antagonist in here and mr nobody very crazy uh you know come to find out that he considers himself a loser and his backstory and everything that goes into it as to why he became this outer being this this anomaly if you will of reality and was able to manipulate reality in so many different ways so much to the point that he can also talk to us you know from the fourth wall it's really great uh, i thought he this is what i was talking about when i was talking about cloak and dagger you know it, it has to be a great series because it needs a great antagonist and i thought that alan's portrayal of eric modon aka mr nobody was absolutely great for this particular thing and it was like i can't do this show justice by just talking about some of the things that happened on this show i mean i'm talking the last episode alone and i posted this on the acmg facebook group a rat and a roach and i just left it at that because those who watched this the final episode understood what exactly what i was talking about when are you ever going to see a roach and a rat tongue kiss and make out I can't do it justice it just makes everything that happens in the show is is like literally batshit crazy it shouldn't make sense it shouldn't connect it shouldn't it, it really just shouldn't it just really shouldn't but it does all of the stories make sense they managed to do it and not only that it's not only just it it, it has that mystique of the watchman but it also has a lot of comedy in there too um and the character development here is just so good. Each one of them had their own stories. Matt Boner, or Bonner. No, it is Matt Boner, actually. He plays Larry uh, Trainer, who is a man that works for the Air Force way back in, I believe, the 30s again, or the, or the 50s or the 60s or whatever. And he was, he's a, he's a gay guy that at the time, they, by far, they weren't accepting gay, you know, uh, gay community back then so they had to hide themselves from it and plus he was married too and all of a sudden he goes on this this trip to space when in fact it went wrong his whole entire body burnt to chris but he also managed to meet a being of energy that infuses within him uh, not only keeping him alive but keeping him young after all this time as well but the downfall is that he's burnt to a chris and his whole entire body is burnt so he has to wrap himself in in bandages his whole entire body is wrapped in bandages because his whole entire body is just to him is hideous 
and it would scare everybody else. So he wraps his entire self in wraps, but he also at times is fused with this this uh, energy, this being of energy that also leaves his body. When he leaves his body, he apparently just he loses the will to be able to move or whatnot. He can't live without him because he's outlived his life, and this this being of energy is keeping his body alive for longer than it should you know so i mean it was great but also he had to cope with the with the things that he had to go through in life you know hiding the fact that he was gay um you know deceiving his wife at the same time and his family and he he had his own you know things to go to then we have the return of Brenda Frazier. When was the last time we actually seen Brenda Frazier? I think last time I seen Brenda Frazier was on G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra. That's the last time I seen that dude. And I think this, of all the roles that I've ever seen and enjoyed him on, this has to be my absolute favorite. He played Cliff Still. This was a role that I think that he had so much fun in doing. He played Cliff Still, who was a legendary famous racetrack driver and who was also married but he was just doing all types of dirt in between you know he's famous so he's just like he he's married he has a kid he's cheating on his wife he's banging like and by the way doom patrol is not a rated pg this is not a pg-13 show this is like total rated r this is rated r at its best um because there's a lot of things going on a lot of nudity some like sex scenes all this so you got brendan fraser like just like nailing the hell out of this out of their maid in this whole entire thing and he's always having issues with his wife and come to find out they got into this really bad car accident where cliff still survived but apparently his wife did not his daughter comes to find out is still alive but thinks that he's he's dead and somehow some way thanks to the chief he ends up being uh you know still he ends up becoming like a robot man and his brain is in the body of a robot because they couldn't revive his whole entire thing and chief managed to keep him alive from that but it, unfortunately his dilemma is he's unrecognizable to anybody who's ever known him including his best friend who ended up marrying his wife at the time and his daughter not to mention he can't feel he can't taste he can't eat he's just a brain in a robot's body from that point timothy dalton as chief he hasn't been on the show as long he's not on every episode but the idea is that the chief has been kidnapped by dr nobody and they're trying to save him but they got to coexist in order to save him in order to save them, they got to work as a team. And it's hard to work as a team when they're all battling, you know, their own demons and battling each other. But Timothy Dalton, they treat him like royalty in this in this series. And rightfully so. I mean, it's amazing how this man's career shot skyrocketed from just being James Bond. Nothing else. Like, he his, his fame literally is from just being James Bond. That's it. And he's he's on the list of one of the bonds, the, uh, one of the best bonds ever. You know, to some people, he's like one of the best. Um, and he's just highly respected in this in this entire film. But when he comes in, there is a presence made from him, and he plays Chief really well in this in this series. Uh, you know, for the time he's in, and the big reveal at the end, of course, that he set all of the Doom Patrol team up to actually be in the position that they are now. 
even from way back when Elastigirl was out and, and uh, Larry Trainer was there. He was the reason why they all have powers, why they all in this mix-up situation. Even Cliff Steele, he set up the uh, the actual accident that occurred, which then killed off his wife and, and let him... Be, like, he was, he was responsible for all that. It was crazy. So, I mean, you got all of these things, man. You got... And I got to talk about... Um, Javon Wade, who played Cyborg, along uh, two people actually I gotta mention, Javon Wade, who played their version of Cyborg. So yeah, he's a. This is totally. I don't. The thing is, I don't know if this is connected to. It's done by Greg Berlanti or Berlanti Productions, which also does the Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. I don't know if these shows are connected, but they're done by the same production company. So I don't know if they're all in the same world or not. That's the question. Like team, like the Titans. Also, I know the Titans. This is Doom Patrol is a spinoff of the Titans. But I don't know if any of these are connected to the Arrowverse. That's going to be the question because they're all done by the same people. Now, if you guys don't recognize um, Devon, Javon, he's played in a quite a few different other show, uh, movies and shows too. I can't put a finger on he was on doctor who um i can't put a trace as to what actual memorable series this dude has been in but he is he played he's playing the role of cyborg here which oh he was on the first purge too that's what i've seen him from he was definitely on the first purge so other than that i don't know exactly what he was in but they played uh, allowed him to play cyborg here which is obviously not connected to the cyborg from DC Films in the Justice League uh, series. He's playing a totally different version of Cyborg. It's the same, the same, uh, you know, uh, the Cyborg that we are used to, Victor Stone, but just a different universe version of him. So, at first, the first few episodes, I was kind of skeptical as to like, well, first of all, he seems a little bit shorter than the Cyborg that we know. I don't know if he's supposed to be playing a teen version of cyborg here i don't know but he was definitely shorter than the version that we are used to or the one from the uh, from uh dc films the from the justice league films however like after a while watching him and i saw the smoke and mirrors that they did like if you guys know cyborg he has a blaster that he uses a lot so there what they did to kind of you know i guess budget cut the situation was instead of doing special effects like they did on DC Films, there were times where I it was weird how they did it, but they, it somehow worked. Where he had his you know cybernetic arm, but when he wanted to change to a blaster, they managed to turn or edit the times when he wears the blaster or something. It's really weird how they did it, but somehow it worked out. And there were times where you see that he had the blaster and was using it. And then other times where he had his regular arm, but they never had the show of the train at least. All the time, they didn't show the transformation of him turning his hand into a blaster in there. But for the most part, he played a really kind of laid-back, open-minded personality version of... He didn't feel... He felt more human than cybernetic. Whereas... Or at least not... Or at least he wasn't as... Um, up be uptight as the original cyborg that we all know and love for like the adult cyborg he had a little bit more personality here and i sometimes i was questioning whether it was too much personality for that character because i love the way the portrayal of cyborg normally is on the animated versions 
like he was just laid back and cool. Whereas this one was like he was a little bit more abrasive than Norm and accepting. He and he worked with his father, and that was the other thing too. That was the other thing too. Um, he was way more sympathetic with his father in this, and that kind of threw me off because. If you've known the story of Cyborg, you know that him and his father don't have a good relationship. And of course, then we learn at the end of the season, he really started having animosity for his father, which really started feeling a little bit more like the the relationship between the two. So it was like became a slow burn. But normally what happens is Cyborg, when he became Cyborg, he then had animosity for his father because he didn't. His father would never give him the time of day, and never th- thought highly of uh, his athletic collegiate uh, career that he was aiming for. He wanted him to, you know, be involved in science like he did. So he never really gave him the time of day. Um, but in this one, in the beginning, we saw him in uh, Silas Stone, played by Phil Morris, the absolutely wonderful. Phil Morris, we most of you guys remember from um, as Jackie Childs from Seinfeld. He played the father, and I thought this was a great choice. He also plays a lot of voice uh, roles as well on animated series, but he was great as uh, Silas Stone in here. And down the line, you started seeing the relationship start to become more bitter and bitter, and then Cyborg learning more about his father and what happened. So there you started seeing that animosity come back so it ended up being more like the whole situation it was like a slow burn to me but by the end i really started digging his version you know wade's version of cyborg and i thought it was really cool i thought they did a really good job uh putting everything together by the end of this you really enjoyed all of the characters you enjoyed the storyline you enjoyed their journey leading up to mr nobody and you know finding out that eric Mulder is nothing more than a guy that's just trying to prove his worth to the League of Evil. It was funny. They did a flashback episode with uh, him and his wife and his wife trying to, you know, encourage him to be the top villain of all of the league, which I thought was hilarious. Like, it's just a normal occupation and job to them <laughs> to be to be in this league. And it was really cool. Um, so if anybody has not watched the dc universe any of the dc universe shows because i've their shows i really like their shows i absolutely like their shows a lot i gotta give them credit they have a lot of great content they got content from the past they got content that they're coming out now swamp thing is the next one up looking forward to checking that out and reviewing that as well but i gotta say even though titans had a slow start uh with what was going on in their world and it just ended up being much better I would, I, I dare say, Doom Patrol was really, really good. And I almost think it's better than what they did with Titans. It was so crazy and out of its, out of, the, out of its world, but it worked. The stories worked. The characters were great. Like I said, Brendan Fraser, I loved him in this uh, series. Uh, everybody, the entire cast, but Brendan Fraser, I thought, I loved him because it felt like he was having fun. He was able to just do whatever the hell he want, and he was cursing up a storm, and he was just like always angry and rightfully so for some reason but it was just it was just great and his relationship with jane too i felt like he was trying to have that relationship that daughter father relationship with jane that he could never have before and her trying to you know control everything that's going on within the underground in her mind 
was really interesting. So their relationship is really cool as well. By the end, looks like they started coexisting really well. Uh, but I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in season two and who they're going to be facing at this point. Because they all moved on, but, you know, who's to say what's going to happen next? Anything can happen in this thing. But it was very entertaining. Loved the season. I got to give this an A. I got to absolutely give this an A. I had no problems with this season. It was so risk-taking. This is a very risk-taking type of thing to do. And not many people can write a great story like this. And you got the right cast to do it. I thought these guys were awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next with it. So go out of your way to check it out. This, If there's any reason to check out the DC Universe app, Doom Patrol is one of those reasons. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing with Swamp Thing. You also got Titans, which ended up being really good. I'm looking forward to the second season of that as well. And you also got Young Justice, which is kind of like the, really the, the flagship of this whole entire thing. But they're grooming. They're homegrown. I got to admit, they're really doing well with this uh, streaming app. And Disney Plus your move i'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with the marvel uh franchises that they're coming out with they got wandavision they got um falcon and the winter soldier coming up and it's going to be based on the aftermath of endgame all of them are going to be uh, based on the aftermath of endgame there's a rumor is speaking of wandavision there are reports and rumors talking about that wanda is going to have the reality bending powers that we all know and love from the comics in here and, and, and this might be the reason why she vision comes back some former uh, fashion so we will see what's going to happen but go out of your way to check this out folks that will do it for this edition of acmg presents talk time live thank you so all very much again thank you to dj cutman for allowing me to have such great music on the show as well go out of your way again talk check him out at music.gamechops.com check all of his stuff out he got some great apparel too i'm actually gonna be uh sport, sporting his uh, hat coming soon on its way here as well so uh go out of your way to check him out support him check him out keep up the faith and support us as well on talk time live iHeartRadio, stitcher itunes google play Podbean, and anywhere else you can find us as well you can also check me out follow me at on instagram at dexavier josiah keep up with everything that i'm going on there and keep up with the show as well from there uh again talktimelive.com has all of the episodes as well as all the other places as well as our exclusives you can check out all the exclusive of all the talent the actors the game developers the artists that i had the pleasure of talking to in our talk time live exclusive you can go to our exclusive page or you can just directly type in talktimelive.com forward slash exclusives and check out all that and much more we're going to have much more guests coming soon and some other maybe big surprises coming soon as well so stay tuned for that and much much more but for now i wish everybody a great happy and safe memorial day salute to all the troops out there and thank you for all your services out there i wish you all the best and remember what we're doing this holiday for but for now enjoy yourself i know there's gonna be a bunch of barbecues out there but uh so this is dax avery josiah saying learn to let go live life and love all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live i am out of here stay tuned select start coming up this week take care <laughs>